Ladies and gentlemen, around the world, this is Gavina T.K. Kirkland. You're listening to the T.K. Kirkland Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, listen, this is the T.K. Kirkland Podcast. I know my voice sounds crazy, but I'm in Detroit, Michigan, and it's cold, and my voice is on the blink, but we're going to get through this podcast because I think it's very, very interesting. And let me bring to the people of what being this beautiful sister is getting ready to talk about. She's in the health field. She deals with all kinds of stuff from health to um, sex changes for um, men who want to become a woman and women who want to become men. And as we were talking about it, I found it very interesting on what men and women have to go through to change the course of nature. And it's not to say that anybody that's doing this is wrong. Your choice is your choice. But I think that people should be aware of what you're going through so you can think through some of these things without making these decisions because your mind is telling you something else. Good morning, sister. How are you? Good morning. I'm wonderful. How are good. you? I'm doing good. Like I said, a little, little tired, but, you know, I'm, I had my vacation back to work, and I'm, I'm happy. I, I can tell you that. I'm, I'm truly, truly happy. So we were talking the other day, and, we were discussing your 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 business from Philadelphia and et cetera. Can you enlighten the people what you do in your journey and things that you have experienced in life without mentioning your name? I would like to keep people's names um quiet due to the fact that something you might say that's crazy. Don't get nobody say nothing to you. Mhm. Okay, well I Worked in um, healthcare. Um, I've worked in HIV clinics and hospitals and um, things of that nature. I mm-hmm. have worked closely with um, the LGBT community, um, and I've I've seen a lot. Yes. Um, I've heard a lot of stories um, from people of, of that community and. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they've gone through um as far as um sex changes uh h i v and aids um and it's it's very sad yeah now let's talk about before we get to the sex change thing as mm-hmm. you refresh my memory let's talk about the aids and the h i v because you know. You see the commercials now, but I really still think people don't take it seriously. Um, they don't. <laughs> um, people are, uh, you know, frivolous when um, having sex, and I feel like a lot of people do not use protection despite um STDs, and I think that um, in our community, especially for black people, um, there's so much conversations about baby moms and baby dads and having children out of wedlock that uh, we have those conversations frequently, but we don't talk about STDs and how prevalent they are. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll talk about, you know, having kids, but we won't talk about STDs. It's so taboo. And um, so stigmatized, but it's so frequent and it's not rare. Um, So I definitely think that's a conversation that needs to be opened up, especially in our community, um, because people are just having STDs and spreading them, and people are so afraid to talk about it Mm -hmm. um, when it shouldn't be as taboo as it is. Now, just for... The record, ladies and gentlemen, she is in Atlanta, Georgia. Not to say you can't get it nowhere else in the right. country. But I have read, and I do a lot of reading, 
that Atlanta is up in the top five in STDs and HIV. Am I correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so everybody is just slinging it out there in Atlanta. That shit is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy to me. I swear to God. But um, what do you think they should do to bring it more? What do you, let's tell the people, no matter where they are in the world, how they should go about talking about STDs and asking them to say, because what I believe before I have sex with a woman if I'm in a relationship, I carry my paperwork with me. Mm-hmm. And if a person's going to match me with their paperwork, then we ain't, we ain't doing it. We could snuggle mm-hmm. and you could feel this thing, but uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> we, we got to put the paperwork right up on the, uh, on the back of the headboard and nobody... <laughs> You know, I'm going to take I a stick pin and put it in the headboard on your side and my side. You know, and paperwork. Mm-hmm. That's right. Got to have paperwork. I cannot, but definitely. So one of the things that I think is important is that um, because social media is so powerful that we uh, open up the conversation there because that's where we're all having, you know, most of our conversations and uh, the thing that I love about social media is that it gives us access to people all over the world that we would not usually have access to, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, we, we get to have conversations with people from everywhere and to see that these things are not unique to us. Um, so definitely using social media as a platform to uh, discuss STDs. I know that I see on TikTok frequently people who do actively have uh, certain diseases, whether it's HIV, herpes, um, and stuff like that, where they use their platforms to specifically talk about and educate people on that particular mm-hmm. disease. So mm-hmm. I think that that's really, really good because they're able to be transparent. Or even on some dating website, someone um, had screenshot uh, a picture of a woman's profile and on her profile it says that she was HSV2 positive. I think that's wonderful because you can eliminate the people who would rather not, you know, deal with people who have a disease that they cannot get rid of, but then mm-hmm. you have people who also may have that disease, you know, so that's a good way to date. I think that um, even having a dating site specifically for people who have STDs that they cannot mm-hmm. get rid of would be a good um a good thing for someone to create. So you think that people who have STDs should have their own site? That would be amazing. That's interesting. So they that so would be amazing. Would, so they date amongst each other. Yes, because okay. it's prevalent. A lot of people have HIV, but the whole thing about HIV specifically is that you don't have to transmit it anymore. So they have the medication and technology to where that people can um, be undetectable. And when you are undetectable, Mm -hmm. yeah, when you are undetectable, you cannot transmit HIV. So for people with HIV, no, once you're undetectable, HIV can't kill you no more. I mean, if you don't take your medication, sure, (laughs) but no, unless you like literally don't have the access to care, but like we talked about, um, the access to care um, is is an important thing. And um, I know in Georgia, or at least Atlanta specifically, I don't know about other cities, but mm-hmm. um, like we talked about before, a lot of people that I have experienced working in the HIV clinic um, some people will intentionally contract HIV um, to receive the care. Some people will intentionally contract HIV. And in my experience, that has been people uh, of the LGBT community, specifically black, gay, and trans men. And Um, why? A lot of them are young and a lot of them are disowned from their families, kicked out as children, 
as minors. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of them are homeless, and they're taken in by, you know, older gay and trans um, people and other people of the LGBT community. But a lot of them, you know, are on the streets and stuff. And when you don't have anywhere to turn, it logically, if you want to think logically or even say that this is logical, I can empathize so I can understand why they would do this. Um, but they, when when you have HIV, there's a lot of care for you here. You can okay. have access that you didn't have before to food stamps, right, because it's hard for men to get those uh, that are single, right? Single, mm-hmm. no children. It's hard for men to get food stamps um, if they're struggling. Um, housing, they can have housing help. Um, they will literally put you in an apartment, uh, give you a budget, um, and, and you'll be able to find a place and have somewhere to live. You won't have to live on the street. And this is only yeah, if you have HIV. Nice, um, I'm sure they're probably not, but you're not on the street, you know, and the place is right. yours. Um, so there there are uh, a lot of programs and help for people that is better than the alternative of being on the street. That is interesting. Yeah. And Man. there's like brothels where they will go to to do this. And um, some clinics are contractualized to go out to the brothels and things like that to do rapid HIV tests on the spot. Mm-mm-mm. That's interesting as hell. And you never take the time to think about, at least me, that men doesn't, they don't get help. They don't get housing mm-hmm. they have problems. They don't get food stamps if they have mm-hmm. problems. Like, they really have to go out and mm-hmm. be, have luck on their side. Because being a man doesn't say, oh, you're a man, you could go get it done. Sometimes you're just a lazy, you don't have the ability. But based on the way society looks at men, Mm-hmm. You are supposed to be able to handle handle your business, and it's sad that it's that way. Um, I understand why it's that way and how it got that way, um, and who built this system and the system of patriarchy and what is masculine and manly. But you know, um, for us in our community specifically, um, it is a lot harder for the men in our community. Um, and for them to not be able to to get certain help that is easily available for women, um, when it's okay, right, to, to need help sometimes mm-hmm. and to not be able to, to get it, even if it's temporary, you know, um, it's unfortunate because everybody deserves help if they need it. Yes, that's true. I, I agree even if you're that. a man. Even if you're a man, yep. That is so true because... Um, it is not as well as it used to be. People don't have the opportunities that they've had before. Yes and no. There are opportunities more, but a lot of people are not aware of it. Um, and this is why we're doing this, this show today. Now, people who do have HIV, people who do need food stamps, people who do need a place to live, explain to them what they should do in their city so they can find help? Well, one, you have to first make sure that you are HIV positive. So going out to a, a free clinic um, they have, or to the ER, um, anywhere, you know, go to your uh, your PCP, make sure that you're getting your um, HIV test done and all other STDs, right? Um, also, another STD that is quite prevalent that we don't um, often discuss because it's stigmatized is herpes. Um, mm. Yes, because that is not a test that that is in the normal blood work that doctors take um, okay. when you go to a doctor's office to get your blood work done. They'll usually do like um, chlamydia, gonorrhea, trichomonas, HIV, 
Um, I think that's pretty much it. Um, and herpes is not a normal test. One, because herpes is self-identifiable. You will know when you have herpes. Right, that's true. Um, but because herpes is, it can lie dormant in your body for years. And some people will have herpes forever and never know, right? And that's mm-hmm. not only HSV-1, but HSV-2. So HSV-1 is oral herpes. Um, okay. And that is, you know, when people have cold sores and things like that, that is herpes. It's not just right, a cold right. sore. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and let me put the regulation that we all get cold sores. Don't be offended or be alarmed. Right. It's part of life. It's right, just and it's fine. Term for mm-hmm. it when it's on your lip or something. Now, mm-hmm. on your penis, you can't take your penis. Well, ladies, you get vagina. <laughs> And you know you got a bump there. You can't let it, you can't let nobody put something in there because then it's gonna spread. Just FYI. But go ahead, babe. <laughs> so for HSV two, which is genital herpes. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so um, for genital genital herpes, um, you know, same thing, different location, right? Um, mm-hmm. But like I said, a lot of people don't know that they have herpes because. Um, they may not have uh, an outbreak. So that is something that you would have to specifically ask for um, if you want to be tested for that. So I definitely recommend um, getting tested for herpes and intentionally asking for that because otherwise you won't get it unless you actually have it by then it's too late. So so basically what you're saying is millions of people walking around with that in their blood. Yes. Mm-hmm. But people yeah, because, now herpes is is very common. Yes, mm-hmm. that's my point. Mm-hmm. Right, it's a lot of of people over the age of eighteen who have herpes and don't know. Right. And this is globally, too. Yes, it is. Um. So definitely, now, but I didn't answer what, your question. What do you feel about the people now lately? Because I'm a senior citizen, right? From uh-huh. the and we know, Papa. And I always hear about in the uh, assisting living, how mm. STDs is high amongst mm-hmm. the elderly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They was getting it in at some point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Um, I went to a, a natural science museum and... Um, it was a lot of like cadavers and like bodies in jars and stuff like that. Very cool stuff. I love it. I love science, right? So there's a wall made up of skulls, human skulls, mm-hmm. um, from like very long ago. But the skulls were all deteriorated, um, and the skulls were all from people who had syphilis. Mm-hmm. Oh, and syphilis is another test that uh, they do regularly, um, mm-hmm. but. Syphilis, untreated, now it is treatable um, and curable, but syphilis wasn't at some point. And syphilis will deteriorate your skull. So uh, the people who had syphilis, who had it that bad, um, they were, like, considered crazy uh, because they were, like, literally going crazy. Can you imagine, like, your brain and, like, your skull not having... Um, you know, your brain not having that protection because the syphilis is, like, eating away at their skulls. So right. that was pretty cool. But that's craziness. So definitely yeah. for syphilis as well, definitely get tested for syphilis as well because it's curable. Yeah, listening to this, uh, it, you know, my sex life has gotten boring anyway. When I was young, <laughs> around your age or whatever, you know, I'm not going to say I was a hoe, but I was slinging dick out there, you know. Uh-huh. That's okay. Now, and now at my age now, like when I say I'm just truly laid back and watch women like you and women, <laughs> you know, I just like, you know, I'm good because I've mm-hmm. been too far in life to let any of those things you're talking about mm-hmm. take me out. I mean, I really put a lot of work into this body and take mm-hmm. care of my mind and health. That I don't want nothing sexually to be the reason I leave this planet. 
Well, the only <laughs> the only way <laughs> that would happen is what the only one that could like kill you is AIDS. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's if you you know graduate from HIV. But that's right. from not having care, access to care, being able to pay for medication, um, and and stuff like that. Um, right, but that's, you know, just just a thought. So basically, I'm saying I'm not I'm not fucking. That's all. Period. I'm, look, I'm looking bad <laughs> if I take care of myself, but uh, I'm good. I'd rather yeah. have peace of mind. Now with the HIV, the people catch AIDS, the syphilis, and all that stuff. We move mm-hmm. to. Um, how the world has changed in the last 30 years. I was watching The Sopranos um, a week ago, and they was on there calling people faggots and all that. That would never mm-hmm. be able to be on TV today. Mm-hmm. Like that word alone would get you banned in, in this cancer culture. And then mm-hmm. you have the people of um, different celebrities, um, different people who want to be something that, the universe didn't make them. And they go through these horrific sexual changes, the sexual surgeries to change mm-hmm. their sexuality. And I want to talk about that and more to anybody who's listening to this to know, and they know somebody that's about to do these changes, the consequences of them doing it. And it's based on them, just like getting a BBL, just like getting a titty gun. It comes down to your choice, but it's good to have knowledge before you make your choice because what you told mm-hmm. me, I feel that people are not aware of what can happen and once they get it done, they go through hell. Mm-hmm. So let's let's talk about that when people get their sex change and a situation, you know, and uh, and, and I'll follow your path, and then I'll come in and out. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, there are documentaries and things like that available for um, people who are deciding to make a decision to sex change in their adulthood, mm-hmm. um, especially, like, because um, not everybody is happy with the decision that they've made. Right. And um, some people regret it. Some people wish, wish they could go back, but it's not something that can be undone mm. um, per se. And even if you did want to go back, like hypothetically speaking, um, let's say a man gets a sex change uh, surgery and obviously he was born a man, so he has a penis and he changes his sex from male to female, he no longer has a penis. Mm -hmm. And um, if he wanted to go back, right, the penis that he would have would not be his. (laughs) Like, so... um, Explain to you, explain what he mean won't be his. And ladies, listen, explain that part. So specifically a female-to-male surgery, um, and what I have seen in watching the surgery and seeing the aftermath, um, they will either take a part of your thigh or your forearm to use that to create the penis. Um, And the penis is not... It's not very penis-like, in my opinion. As a heterosexual woman who likes penis, it's horrible. Okay. It's the the look of it, um, you know, it's not very vascular. Um, so, you know, all of the beautiful veins that, that are present in right. a penis are, you know, not present and also you would have to get another surgery to actually make it hard. So it doesn't just get hard because we all know how people get erections, you know, that blood flowing down there and they get the pulsating and all that. That doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. They have to get, like, a pump inserted. And the penis kind of just stays hard. Like, it's very, 
um, mechanic-like. And before they actually get the pump inserted, um, it just kind of lies there. Um, It's very interesting to look at, like, when they're using the bathroom. Um, It's not very usable, in my opinion, but, you know, I'm a heterosexual woman, so I need that thing hard for me. Um, But it doesn't it doesn't do that. So it's not natural. So just having that kind of attachment, it's um it's a, it's interesting. But yeah. mm-hmm. there's so many surgeries um that they may have to go through. Now, uh they're starting children out very early in regarding to sex change now. Yeah. Um yeah. And that's completely wrong, in my personal opinion. Yes, but I'm does. not a, nobody. It's yeah, but because to that. why do you think it's wrong? I want people to hear this. It's wrong because minds can change, and how Step would the they know who's giving them this information? Because they don't have access to it themselves. They're babies. It's no way a five and a six year old, you know, knows this information without an adult telling them. Mm-hmm. And um, I personally feel like it is a um, a brainwashing um, yes. that comes along with it. Now, uh, people don't know, especially people who have not studied psychology um, or had any child psychology classes, we know that in the follic stage of, uh, you know, growth, that children start to become sexual beings at that age, around five and things like that. That's when they actually learn that um, their genitals may feel good to them. Right. Um, and some adults, you know, a whole bunch of people who have ch- children don't know that. Um, so people could get in trouble uh, or children could get in trouble by their parents for doing things or feeling feelings. Now, I do believe that um, things like homosexuality and and heterosexuality and stuff like that, um, they can can change their minds, but in in childhood, I feel like, thing that is ingrained, right? Because my own daughter, right, I'm a heterosexual. I have never been with a woman in my life, and my Mm -hmm. daughter has only seen me with her dad and, um, you know, men. However, my daughter told me that she was gay. Wow. And that my daughter, she was six when she told me that she's eight now. Now, up until... Where where'd she, you know, get it from? You know, like it's not something to get. And and this is a recent thing in dealing with this with my own child that I feel this way um, because I did feel differently before. But because I'm seeing this with my own child, right? So I know a mm-hmm. lot of people will say that, oh, like these kids is being touched and stuff like that. My baby, nobody's touched my child. Wow. I'm very open with my daughter. We've had conversations. You don't think mm-hmm. she was influenced or saw something that influenced her? Oh, yeah. So so YouTube, oh, my God, which I had to get my baby off of. So I monitor her YouTube closely, and I saw that she was um, watching videos of, uh, like, cartoons, girls mm-hmm. kissing girls. Um, and cartoons. So it's a lot of things that look like it's four kids that's on there that is absolutely not. Now, she doesn't know this, you know. Now, like I said, this occurred initially when she was six, when she told me initially that she liked girls. But up until that point, she had not liked a boy yet. She was six. Right. Fast forward two years later, she come in the house recently. Mommy, I don't like girls anymore. I said, what? She said, I like boys now. Because now she actually liked her first boy. Right. Now, when she told me she liked girls, I said, well, what do you like about them? She said, they're pretty and they smell good. And I said, well, you know what? Girls are pretty. 
and they do smell good. So uh-huh. it's not it's not a sexual thing. Girls are pretty and they do smell good. Like so um could I conclude that I'm going to have a bisexual child in the future? Possibly. Like you just don't know. Things can change. I know for me, I was doing stuff with girls when I was younger. Mm-hmm. But as I grew up, I've never been with I don't have a desire to be with women. I you know? Like so right. things can change. Like you just don't know. And as a child, um you can say one day, you know, I like girls or one day I like boys and mm-hmm. your mind can change. So as an adult to to adultify what they're saying and try to get them to make a decision as a child, that shit is wrong. That's wrong. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. You know, and when I see that happening, I go, wow. And to the parents who are listening who has the situation, I think you could do whatever you pretty much want to do in your home when the doors are shut. Mm -hmm. But once you create your business on social media, we all are going to have an opinion. An opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, we definitely are. Now, what do you think people who are dealing with this or about to deal with it, what what classes or what you think they should do first to understand the consequences before they do this? Is there any programs, anything you, you, you can suggest that they do, they do diligence before they do this? One is to, within their child's childhood, if this is something that has come up or a conversation of homosexuality, heterosexuality, or, you know, like just, uh, or not feeling like themselves, meaning the sex that they were born, like I would not impress upon the child any, I would give the child education because the babies don't know. They don't know, right? So when my baby told me that she liked girls, I told, I educated my daughter. I educated her. So firstly, we have to educate ourselves, and it has to be something that is unbiased. You just give them the facts. When my baby told me she liked girls, I told her what that was. That is called being uh, homosexual, and I told her what homosexual was. And then I told I couldn't just tell her that. I had to tell her what bisexual was. I told her what heterosexual was. And I told her what transsexual was. And mm-hmm. then uh, pansexual. So I told her everything. And this is my child. Even though I was, my heart was beating so fast, I'm de- devastated because the future that I see for my child is one with a, a husband and children, right? Mm-hmm. But who said that that's the future that she's going to have. So what I want as a parent, I can't force that upon her, but I also can't, uh, you know, force her to make a decision now as a child. So even if you have a child who's saying that, you know, they were born a girl, but she's feeling like a boy and vice versa, Mm-hmm. You can give them the information because they do. Children are smart. They're very intelligent. My daughter's very intelligent, mm-hmm. um, and they understand. Um, however, adultifying things for them, especially when it comes to making a permanent change, like um, or starting them on hormones, so uh, hormone blockers, so they don't start going through puberty, is Wrong. What? What? Yes. Yes. So uh, a patient that I, um, someone who I uh, worked with, it was a, it was a male presenting person would be considered a trans, trans man, right? Mm -hmm. So he was male presenting. I would never have thought that this man was born a woman. Right. He looked good. He's a white guy. He's a big guy. I'm like, okay, you know, suited and stuff. And as I was talking to him, he revealed to me that he was born a woman. Right. And he was telling me his story that, you know, um, that he was from Norway. And because they had the money, right, they were able to start him on 
hormones young um, to change him, to start that change. Because once you actually start to, um, once you actually have breast, mm-hmm. you would have to get a double mastectomy, which is the removal of both breasts. Okay. But if you never develop breasts, you won't have to deal with that as okay. you get older in your sex change. So that's mm-hmm. not something that he had to deal with because a lot of um, it's easily identifiable when it is um, a male to I mean, a woman to male because they will have those scars on okay. their uh, chest and their pectorals. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also shared with me. Um, his his journey of his penis and how that was created. They used his forearm, and he showed me his forearm. He'd had so many surgeries. It was it was in the double digits to right. change. Even though he didn't have to get a double mastectomy, he still underwent so many surgeries. To to and then when I was talking to him, he still hadn't done. He had to uh, get another surgery to actually insert whatever pump it is to actually make the penis hard. But he showed me his forearm, and the forearm was mangled. The forearm looked like a dog had ate it. Wow. It was crazy looking. Um, and it was it was a crazy uh, conversation because... Before he revealed to me that he was a born a woman, um, we he was probing me to get, mm-hmm. and I was working in an HIV clinic, and I dealt with, like I said, um, majority of men who had HIV, um, who were black and um, gay and trans, and he was like getting my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. He was a higher up, and I was telling him like, you know. I think that this is a mental illness. I think that this is a a, a a disability. And he's like, well, you know, I was born a woman. I was like, oh, my God. Right, <laughs> I was right. so That's embarrassed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, so you voicing your opinion. Oh, yes. Yes, I was. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we had a good conversation. And, um, you know, I got to have more empathy um, and that's that's why I really uh, enjoyed my experience working in the HIV clinic because I got to, I feel like God put me there intentionally because of how I felt about the LGBT community at first. Um, I grew up with two gay brothers. I didn't have any heterosexual brothers. And mm-hmm. I also grew up abused um, by our father. No, just like you know, child abuse, foster care, stuff like that. Okay, okay. Um, and uh, I always wanted, I always craved protection from my brothers because I felt like that's something that women, you know, have when they have brothers. They have men to protect them, and that's mm-hmm. something that I always wanted. So because I had feminine brothers, I despised that about them. And I never liked gay people because of it, because of my experience of wanting a masculine presence. Mm -hmm. And um, And they both were gay? Yes, both of my brothers are gay. I I don't have both of them. um, But all all of my brothers and sisters, we all have been molested or raped, all of us. Wow. So, it, yeah, and that's craziness. Like, when I found that out, which was recent, um, within the recent maybe year or two, I was devastated because I didn't, I didn't know it wasn't just me. So here's my thing about, not you, about men. Mm-hmm. And they get raised and they turn gay. The, to me, they're saying that you liked it because, uh, how you doing, man? All right. Because my thing is that when you... That happened to you. That should make you more of a man. I'm going to be tougher. I'm not going to get turned out like these other people. But when I hear people in interviews, I hear people all over the world who are in a situation, they get to express what happened to them. They say, yeah, I got molested as a child. 
and this is why I am. Because usually, if that's the way they are because of mental behavior, mm-hmm. they wind up doing it to somebody else because it was done to them. Okay. And I actually feel that when that happens, you should be more of a man. But what I've seen is the opposite. When it's happened to them, mm-hmm. they turn gay. And that's weird. I could tell you. Okay. Now, okay. So try to imagine um, and, 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 and be unbiased, right? Mm-hmm. You have to try to empathize with these people, right? So one, it doesn't make them less of a man. Mm-hmm. I'm listening. Um, but imagine somebody taking something so precious as your innocence, especially as a child. Um, and usually in in that instance, it's usually an older man mm-hmm. um, who does it. Um, and how confusing that would be because, one, your prostate, is located in your behind. Right. And um, there is uh, prostate massages, right, that is done. Um, and when you go get your colonoscopy, I believe they do a prostate massage. And mm-hmm. um, that, could, it could feel good. It can feel good. Um, shoot, I've, I've done things with men where I've done things to their anus and it feels good. I have given a man glorious orgasms. Like, so, and that doesn't make him gay. However, imagine being a child and experiencing something like that from a man. Mm-hmm. That's confusing. Okay. That's confusing. So um, men are the number one um, um Statistic who complete suicides, right? So there's that. Q, I, I could imagine a man committing suicide because of that type of internal turmoil, right? So, okay. uh, or just becoming gay because he doesn't, you know, he can't differentiate because that felt good over time. Now, mm-hmm. I know that my little brother was raped in that way, and he's gay now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he's he's sexually attracted to men, but he doesn't have sex. He's He told us before that he was asexual, which means that he doesn't prefer males or females. But so, like, it is a confusing thing for someone to take that from you. Right. Um, And then you got the men who did experience something like that who are masculine presenting and those overcompensating for their masculinity. So they may be bullies. They may um, be womanizers. And they might be running through all the women. So there's just so many different ways that that could go, but it just depends on the individual and how they deal with things. There's so many variables and moving parts. Interesting, but God damn, there's so much to deal with. (laughs) It is. There's so much to deal with, and especially this 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 thing called the brain. Mm Hmm. You know, this brain that we have and how people are influenced in so many ways and mm-hmm. how you can literally change what another person is thinking. Mm-hmm. Like you can literally change another person's thinking or to be have the ability to gaslight someone mm-hmm. and make a fall for it. You know, women to me and gaslighting are the number one victims of gaslighting from narcissist bitten. And mm. even though a lot of women lie too, they they lie, not all, not as much as men, but then you got some women who are great gaslighting from rape to um, saying that they was raped, which they was lying, 
to mm-hmm. actually go all the way through it to put a person in prison to and know in their heart for the rest of their life that man never did nothing to them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the human mind. The human mind is so powerful. Donald Trump convinced people to, to attack the Capitol, and they thought that there was nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. You know, black men who are shooting each other, killing each other, who at some point, of course, some think it's bad, but there's some people who don't care. Mm-hmm. The human brain is something. It, it really is. And I see it even more so because of how the world has changed. Yeah. You know, I'm in my 60s. I've seen this shit change. I can't even imagine. I love talking to older people to get their point of view on mm-hmm. on how things have changed um, over the years and and. Uh, what year were you born? 1961. 1961. So mm-hmm. you've gone through the, the crack epidemic. Like, you've seen right. so much in how it affected our people, how the structure of the black family has changed since you were born. Yes. Just Absolutely. seeing that. Yep. That's so, like, um, it's so interesting. Mm-hmm. I've seen it all change. I sure have. And but you adjust. Oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. You specifically adjust because this yeah, is people who are your point. age who are still, um, you know, they don't really like cell phones or they don't really use social media. And, um, you know, just, just having this computer in your hand, you know? Like, right. No, it's totally true. And I feel that when... People are taking pictures with me after my show. They got the phone, but they mm-hmm. went out to a selfie, and they may take a selfie one of the most difficult things they've ever done in their <laughs> life. <laughs> they they make excuses like my arms is too short. Oh, I can't my move God. Them. So when I tell people we're doing selfies, even when they don't think they can, um, it feels good because they don't know what I've just done. Right. I have, self, I have just self-empowered you to do something that you say you couldn't do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that's important to me. Now, listen, I want to thank you so much for your time. i got to get ready for uh, one of my two more events tonight. But mm-hmm. to the world... I want you guys to make good decisions and really think about your choices, ladies and gentlemen. Because what the world don't tell you also is that when you get your sex change, you become transgender, the pain you go through, but the suicide rate is extremely Mm. high amongst transgenders. Am I correct? I'm not sure about their suicide rates, honestly. Yeah, that, part, that part I do know for a fact because of the confusion, because they become confused, you know. And I, I could imagine that. so. Yeah. And I remember so also the homicide, I know for sure that homicide rates are astronomical as well. And of, of all of the uh, people in the LGBT, the transgender community specifically have the highest. Um, homicide rates. Wow. Like murdering each other or they're no. murdering somebody? No. Or they're getting, getting killed. killed. Get, yeah. Being yeah. killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's probably high because we got these heterosexual men mm. who got girlfriends. They try that shit and so nobody can't find out. They knock them motherfuckers off. Mm. That's how I feel. It's not funny, but I think that there's here. multiple uh, reasons why that is happening. Yeah, multiple but, reasons. But that's, but that's um, definitely um, probably the, the most <laughs> when um, I hear these stories. Mm. When I hear these stories, and I think about my life, and I think about 
how I was raised and my journey being around good high school coaches, good college coaches. I'm really thankful for my life. I'm really thankful that I don't have any of these vices in my life. And I'm mm-hmm. truly, when I, when I say this, I'm truly 1,000% a happy person. I'm truly, I'm, I'm literally one of the happiest men on this planet. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm literally one of the happiest men on this planet. And I want people to be happy. People know I always push happiness and I always push peace of mind. And I wish that for everybody on this planet, that if you can achieve any type of success, financially, spiritually, one of the things I want for you the most is peace of mind. Thank you so much for your time, babe. Before you go, ladies and gentlemen, listen, this is the TK Kirkwood Podcast. Shout out to my executive producer, Charlemagne the God. Um, shout out to my people over in Australia, Japan, London, um, Paris, France, um, Japan, um, Seoul, Egypt, um, Ghana. I, uh, I truly appreciate you guys' support. And tonight, you're going to catch me at the World Famous Improv on Melrose Avenue. I come once a year, and by the time you hear this, get your tickets fast because we'll be sold out. Most people think I'm doing two shows. I'm only doing one. They haven't two shows, but I'm only coming to one because I'll be flying in from another state. <clears throat> I get in early in the morning, and I'm going to bed. That's what I'm going to be doing. So mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to do that first show. I'm going to do the second show. And I want to thank you for your time, sweetheart. I really, really appreciate your energy and your love. And I'm looking forward to going to dinner or lunch with you um, whenever I can, okay? Yes, sir. So bad. All right. Thank you for Take having me. Um, to the world, this is the TK Kirkwood Podcast. May your pain be champagne. Peace. Make sure you follow TK Kirkland on Instagram at TK underscore Kirkland. For more information about upcoming events and more, visit www.officialtkkirkland.com. This episode of the TK Kirkland Show was produced by Chris Thomas, executively produced by Charlemagne the God. This is an official Loudspeakers Network production.